comedy channel. We have no motto. The comedy channel. You laugh until you stop. Comedy is our middle name. And channel will be our last name then, right? Yeah. The comedy channel. Three-dimensional programming on a two-dimensional screen. Brought to you by a one-dimensional person. What the hell? Mottos come and go. The comedy channel. This isn't Russian. But we're always there when you need us. Get the picture? The comedy channel. The comedy channel. Funny. Free. You are listening to the Constant Comedy Podcast with Art Bell and Vinny Favalli. Welcome to the Constant Comedy Podcast. I am Vinny Favalli. And I'm Art Bell. And we are together again for another edition, another episode. Hey, Art, wouldn't it be great if we, this show, our podcast had an announcer or a voice that wasn't ours to set it up? I think so. We could really use it now. So we sound so much alike. I think people I, say that all the time. They do. You know, um, someone you you had told me that someone wanted, it was almost like a critique of our podcast that you know you guys sound an awful lot alike. And I'm like, that's actually a good thing because people that don't really know you and don't read the title of the podcast might think it's all me, all the brilliant things that are coming out, which often are from you because you're the smarter <laughs> one. You're the Dean Martin. I'm the Jerry Lewis lady. I know. And by the same token, everybody says, Oh, you're so funny, man. And that's usually you being funny. <laughs> and, and then there's my mother who said, Art, you talk so much during the podcast. Why don't you let Vinny get a word in edgewise? <laughs> and I have to tell her, no, mom, we're sort of both speaking. But anyway, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I like the idea of a, an announcer. Who can we get? Well, you know, it's funny because my, my buddy Frankie Keen is, I guess, technically the announcer because she's the one that does the intro. You know, you're uh -huh. listening to the Constant Comedy podcast. So, nice. and that, that's great. Nice to have her voice in. But yeah, like, you know, like Penn Jillette, remember he was the voice of comedy central how could i forget man he was great he always said here at comedy central <laughs> people would go up to him this is true people would go up to him like when they saw him in his act or whatever and they said say it say here at comedy central because <laughs> he got so known for it which was cool another great announcer would have been nick bakai our guest today our guest today actually we have today is going to be interesting because uh it's nick bakai and his wife robin who, oh, yeah, we it's the first time we've done two people at once. I don't even know if they're going to be physically in the same location or because I know they're both active and writing and they're in Hollywood now. They've been there for years and but they're married, by the way. They, so they are. Yes, the they odds are. are they're going to be close to the same location. They were the the couple that lasted. They outlasted Comedy Central. Well, actually, actually, they're I guess the same. Comedy Central is still living. So. Neck and neck. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? But Nick and Robin are Comedy Central. But I can't wait to hear how that relationship came together, because I actually knew Robin better than I knew Nick back then, because mm -hmm. um, Robin worked in on-air promo. So I'm excited to get into that whole conversation, because honestly, the, the promo department were the ones that really defined the network back then. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, yeah. As they as promos often do, uh, usually the the promos complement the programming. <laughs> Back then, the pro programming really didn't exist, <laughs> unless you count yeah, like 
uh, Joe McDokes uh, comedy shorts uh, from the 1940s. Was that it? Joe McDokes? Well, we had a lot of funny stuff, but we did need um, the promos to kind of define who we were. And uh, we did use them to great effect. I got to say, we were we were world-class promotion makers. Yeah. Mark Chusid, who I believe you hired from, I, I worked with yep. him at MTV, but Mark yep. Chusid uh, and the team, Ken Olshansky, uh, what a great, great job they did. And Robin. So it's going to be exciting to talk to Robin and to Nick. And, you know, it's, and we'll get into it with Nick, but I just wanted to bring up something that you often mention, National Lampoon, how sometimes all roads lead to National Lampoon. Right. Because which world have all roads lead to Mad Magazine, which is where they originally led. Right, right now, it's it's National Lampoon. And, really and find the comedy for our generation. Yeah, and I bring that up because it, it, it was not the heyday of Lampoon, but it was the early 80s when Nick wrote for them. That was his first paying gig as, as a comedy writer. So it's going to be really interesting to see his his path from from print comedy everyone's got a funny story about how they got the comedy channel because he goes back to comedy channel he he right, yes. you know he's the early days so real excited for that okay so let's see how this two-person uh podcast uh works hopefully technically we could all figure this out you ready <laughs> we're smart enough to do that i think okay go okay let's do this let, let me let me try to patch people in right now robin Vinny! Oh my God! Like fantastic! How excited am I, Robin? And you have a Beatles poster. My yes, friend. yeah, it's a mock-up with with me in the middle, as if I'm excited. <laughs> all the kids, all the kids believe it's you knew the Beatles. I'm like, listen, come on! <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! <laughs> I love it! I love it! How are you? Very well. How you doing? Good. Now we can't see you. Is that by design? Yeah. What's no. up with that, Robin? Oh, I don't okay. know what's up with that. Okay, I'm going to ask you to start your video, and then that will change. Oh, there you go. Oh, there, oh, there hey. she is. There How are you? Are. How great oh, to God, see you. you haven't changed. Yeah, nice to see you. you haven't changed. You look <laughs> <Not> great. <laughs> I have this memory of you and I talking many times. I don't remember what we talked about, but you were one of the people there that I remember fondly from, from those days. I feel like you were the first person I actually met there. Maybe, um, yeah, because I was coordinating a lot of, you were working in on-air promos, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? You you actually, you and your department, and, and you work with Mark Chusid, I guess, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You guys are like, were the rock stars. You guys were the glue that kind of conveyed to the, the, to the people that we were better than we, the shows were running. You know, Trump, you know, we're actually funnier than Betty Hill. Well, that's what we had to do. We had to make, we had to make all our statements about ourselves with on-air promo, because you know sometimes we couldn't do it with the programming. And you guys did such great. Hey, hang on! Know, I'm realizing this you know, is a great I'm, I'm start. To, myself up. This is a great start to the podcast. I don't. Yeah, I want right. to. I want to keep always. all this. Always. <laughs> no, is. no. It's good that Robin's here because we should talk about on-air promo. People don't really it, understand what that is. Yeah, I think it was one of the most and important, important parts of the network. And I sort of, I faked my way in. You know, like I had no clue. I'd never done anything in television before, and um, I, I just remember asking a ton of questions. And all of a sudden, I was doing. I think it was five. We had five shows, right? So hey, we Nick. Were doing hey. Nick. Hey, there he Nick is. Nick is there. Hello, hey. fellas. Where are you in proximity? Are you on different continents, or what's the story? <laughs> no, I'm upstairs. <laughs> we're in our respective caves. I oh, love right. it. I know that's where I am. We've done enough stupid, like um, 
Zooms with school people about our kids. And when we're here together, it's a mess. <laughs> okay. No, no further explanation necessary. It's so um, great to no. see you. We were just catching you up too. with uh, Robin here. We have so, so much to talk about. So, Art, like, why don't we... Why don't you just do the intro and then let's just jump okay, in with yeah, this. Okay, I'm doing the intro today. Is that okay with you guys? And if there's anything it wrong is. with it, I'm excited. You get to I tingle. Yeah. <laughs> if there's anything you don't like about it, the hell with it. No, Robin could make it wrong, into a great promo. Trust me. If there's if there's anything wrong, you get to correct me after. I <laughs> yes, Wikipedia is full intro. of shit. They, yeah, they, they okay. get it all oh, wrong. one thing before we start though, um, is there anything either of you guys want to promote, especially on this podcast, like a book, a new series? A movie, something you're working on. Nick, I'll leave it. Um, well, you know what? Um, I'm, I've been working as a consultant on the Kaminsky method, and it is going to drop. The third and final season will drop on Netflix. Um, I think it's the 21st, but I'm not sure. But sometime in the near future this month. All right. You know what? I Great. didn't even mention that. I knew you were. I knew that was a Chuck Lorre thing. My wife and I love that. All right. Show, save right? it for the show. Oh, this isn't a show. Have you, have right. you... Okay, okay, okay. All right, but if I don't mention that, you know, you can bring that up. I will. Oh, oh, will I? <laughs> okay, here we go. Our guest today has a long and storied career in comedy as a writer, producer, and performer. He's also a dedicated sports fan who has written for NFL.com and appeared on sports shows as a commentator. Rarely can someone combine such far-flung interests so early in their career, but his brainchild, Sports Monster, was one of the first, funniest, and most original shows on the Comedy Channel. I know that as soon as he says, hi, Ark, hi, Vinny, you guys look exactly the same as you did 30 years ago, our audience will recognize the voice of Salem the Cat from the hit sitcom Sabrina the Teenage Witch. He was a writer-producer for Sabrina and wrote and appeared on many other sitcoms, including The King of Queens, the hit CBS comedy, Fox's Till Death, and most recently, Mom on CBS, which I understand just ended its its uh, eighth season. Um, uh, and that's quite a run. He's written movies, including Mall Cop and Sketches for In Living Color and lots of other funny stuff. He reconnected with Comedy Central in the animated series he co-created and starred in, and as legend has it, named The Adventures of Baxter and McGuire about uh, well, I'll let him explain. I am pleased to welcome to our podcast, Nick Bakai. And well, thank you. In another dramatic first for this podcast, and we have become known for our dramatic first. For the first time, we have two guests on at once. And out of the four of us, I'm the only one who knows when to keep quiet and listen. So this <laughs> will be literally a talk riot. Our second guest is Robin Bakai, writer and actress known for Zookeeper, What's So Funny?, and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Robin describes herself as a writer who specializes in, and I quote, getting to the heart of the matter, cutting it into bite-sized nuggets, and making it as entertainingly digestible for your particular audience. Here's hoping she can do all of that and more for our little podcast. Robin, Nick, welcome. Robin, what's it like being married to Nick? I always wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nick's a hoarder. <laughs> Wow. Nick hoards uh, barbecue rubs and uh, and lots and lots and lots of scripts. There is not an inch in the garage that I can have. He's got two of my kitchen cabinets, and God only knows what's under the bed. 
And this explains why you're in separate Zoom rooms. Yes. This is all mine. That's pretty neat behind Nick, though. I got to say, based on that, you know, after that description. It's all an illusion. It's a complete illusion. Oh, is it one of those backdrops, maybe? Like one of those? No, I I, back. That would be great, though. I should have done a backdrop. Yeah, I did that once. No, actually, I took a picture of a better part of my room, and I put it behind me, only because I had this stupid mirror behind me, which gets in the way. Uh, it's so good to see you guys. You know, yeah, before really. you got on, we were talking with Robin, and um, and this is I'm so happy that she's here because you know the the genesis of this podcast was oh, you know Art wrote a great book called Constant Comedy about the early days of of Comedy Channel, which he had the initial idea, and uh, you know those early years were very very difficult. And this is the 30th anniversary, by the way, of Comedy Central this month, and Robin. Uh, what she did with her colleagues, and, and it fits a lot with, with what that saying was of bite size, getting to the heart of things. It's amazing how Robin was able to, she worked, Robin, in the on-air promo department, right? That That's officially what it was. And your job was to make the comedy network funnier than it actually was <laughs> in a lot Which of ways. Which most of the time wasn't that difficult, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you had to make us cool. No, you know what? I thought on-air promotion was the most fun that you could have on television because you could pretty much come up with any, any idea, especially at comedy central or comedy channel and say, Hey, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's make a promo like that and put it on and have it represent more than anything else, the tonality of the network, like, you know, the look and the feel and what, you know, the aspirations of the network before it actually got that good. So, you know, it really served an important purpose. And the powers that be seem to always allow us to do that. You know, I, I remember there was one promo that we did with the Higgins brother, the Higgins boys and Gruber. And um, and it I just remember it had a ticking clock and it was it was sort of an old school thing. Anyway, um, I guess it was Stu Smiley who said, yes, go ahead and do it. And to me, it was like, are you kidding? <laughs> so uh <laughs> But he did. He let us do it, and it came off really well. And uh, it, it wasn't. Oh, I'll never forget those times. For me, it was like college. I think that promo opens our podcast. They, the ticking clock. I think what's a motto? I think it was like tick tick tick. What's we a have motto? No motto? We have, have no, no motto. motto. The network had no motto. I mean, there was a play on oh. words, but there was a ticking. <laughs> it was a ticking uh, clock on it. But there's so many things like we're all gonna die. Watch Comedy Central. That was a promo. <laughs> yeah, that was a, yeah. that was a great one. And uh, so now you guys met at Comedy Central, right? Yes, we we're, did. In we're fact. a Comedy Central couple. Oh, wow. Yeah. Power couple. One of, one of hundreds, right? Or actually One of hundreds, two. but probably of... the only one still yeah. met. No, no. Is I would right? say there were, there were thousands of trysts. Thousands uh, of children. I'm sure. Thousands of children. I don't know how many marriages. I think we might be the only marriage intact. I might be that might be me being cocky, but what the hell? We 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 made it past um uh Bill Gates, so we celebrated yeah. that. Well well until she finds out you hung out with Jeff Epstein and then it's over. Yeah, well, you know what? Listen, people Jeff, he was misunderstood. <laughs> Listen, you know, Jeff. Uh, well, this is the guy who wrote Frenchie the Clown. Finally, uh, finally someone says it. True. Jeff, Jeff, also a hoarder of thirteen-year-old girls. <laughs> oh. He had that. 
Oh my God, that's so funny. So with Nick now, you know, you did uh, one of the earliest things you did was was uh, Frenchie the Clown, right? Like that, could, could, National Lampoon, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. I think was your first paying job, right? It was, you know, I was, uh, as a young man, I had dreams of being a pretentious thespian. <laughs> and, you know, I was the only one who seemed excited about that plan. <laughs> Um, and I started to write for the National Lampoon and it was like the fork in the road for me. Um, you know, the fact that you could write something funny, everybody seemed to, especially in the boom comedy era that the channel launched during, there was such a need for that. Right. There was not a need for another brooding 24 year old actor. So um, I was smart enough to listen and it changed my life. Well, be, being a writer actor is, is a double thing whammy you know you could write things that find yourself in them sometimes even if it's a smaller part and something that, you, that you've written well that was the beautiful thing about the early days of the channel like you say it was such beautiful a, i said beautiful <laughs> you know what else my <laughs> oh my god i love if my wife was on this podcast uh, it would be over we should all have you our wives on and, and you know what else i also enjoy theater <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, there, there was such a struggle that we, we started when it was the HBO side of it, a comedy channel with art. And, right. um, you know, there was such a battle just to get it on um, cable systems nationwide that we had that feeling like if we don't burn the studio down and say anything on the swear word list, we can probably get away with it. And it was in creative hotbed for that reason and yeah there were such small staffs on shows that it's like well we have 800 segments to fill this week <laughs> with a host a writer a producer and a pa so it's like oh well, you you have a character who you know um talks funny your segment nine Tuesday. you know just <laughs> in between all out. these little rascal clips and all this other stuff oh, that we were forcing know, you to run and the, the johnny walker comedy contest winner you know? right that was the beauty of that studio too you know there were cameras everywhere and everybody down there was drafted into service every kind of service if you were in the cabaret range you got your own show oh robin was in tons of sketches and, you know, oh, Robin's yeah. office was right around the corner and she'd come wheeling in with her script and shoot a promo with whoever the guest was that day on Night After Night. I mean, it was, you know, sometimes it was, it was, it, me. That's sometimes it was Robin. You know? Was Robin ever the audience of one? That was a great innovation. No. 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 But got to be Nick, you, you were the announcer of Night After Night, right? right? And then were you the sidekick as well, right? Kind of. Yeah, I was. It evolved again. It was like, oh, you're okay. You can, you know, Alan and I bantering became a pretty reliable segment two and three every day. Um, right. So, yeah, you know, everything kind of grew from there. Um, it was like doing TV in the 50s, I always felt like, you know, it was really... Um, you know, but, and, and it, it's so funny and thinking about coming on today, Robin, do you remember, we were all such novices. Do you remember when you and I were like, do you, do you know what a green screen is? <laughs> Somebody wanted me to do something called a Chiron. Um, <laughs> do you know what that means? You know, it was, you know, we were flying by the seat of our Chiron. Yeah. 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 Chi Chiron. Because so many of our guests have said exactly the same thing, that it was their first job in television, that they oh, yeah. walked in, they had no idea what that big thing in the corner was. Oh, that's a camera. And, and you know, Vinny was probably the only guy in the network who knew what he was doing because he had come over from A&E doing right. the same thing. Right. But the rest of us, I mean, Stu Smiley, the first thing he said to me when he met me, and Stu was the head of HBO comedy programmer, was, what do you know about comedy? 
And I had no answer. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I have I said, some comedy albums. <laughs> Essentially, you nailed it, Stu. Thank you. Um, and, and we were all just kind of yeah. making it up. But you were right. It was an explosively creative time for, you know, for all of us. Oh, it was fantastic. I, I think Robin nailed it. It was collegiate for a lot of us um, because we were there. We had a lot to learn. And we had that raw enthusiasm of, I can't believe I'm here. Nobody was jaded. Nobody was like, oh, I'm too cool for school. And we made friendships for life there. I mean, it was a beautiful experience. If I had a time machine, it's on the short list of what I'd go back to. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that really, that's that's really well put. And and that studio setup was incredible. It was like a Hollywood backlot, you know, of yeah. TV, where it's like, oh, look, if you trip, you're on another set. Like, this is, this is going on here. This well, it was so crazy. Yeah. They would just swing the cameras 12 degrees to the left, and it's right. a new set and a new show. You know? Right. <laughs> It was great. I, I remember uh, Rich Hall's Onion World. That was, yeah. Uh, yeah, and now I haven't heard from Rich in ages. I don't, I'm not quite sure what he's up to, but that was one of the bonus shows. I think like the Havy set yeah. was a, was a set, and the Higgins set, and and Rachel and Tommy Sledge, and right? Tommy Sledge, Mugga Mug, Lugga Lug, that whole I thing. Moved on. Well, yeah, and I think the Rich Hall one because it was wasn't a daily well, rich, show rich was the one who was kind of cool and had done letterman and you know like right knew who rich was i think sniglets might have already that was a, that's right a part sniglets. of our vernacular yeah, that's so right. rich would just come in like once every two months yeah with a backdrop a couple of onion worlds like yeah you know yeah i gotta knock these out project and then i'm back to the big time <laughs> you know? that is so so true so robin your offices then were at hbo downtown right you were like embedded with the studio Right. That's when you and I spent a lot more time yes, together. Yes, eventually yeah. I moved up to 57th Street. It is amazing what what both of you churned out there. And then, like, we had Scott Carter on on our show, and he was talking about the genesis of Sports Monster. Was it Extra Innings? Like, there was there was a thing called Extra Innings that you guys shot on a shoestring budget. Oh, Rain Delay. Not Extra Innings. Rain Delay. Rain Rain delay. delay. I'm getting my yeah, cliches wrong. Yeah, I remember, like, he said all the execs were at a retreat and someone said you know we could with eight thousand dollars we've got you know we can shoot something and it was a passion project were you part of the of that as well yeah i was it's funny i haven't thought i forgot all about rain it was like you know yeah we gotta we gotta fill time during an endless baseball game rain delay that's right because you know the thing is we couldn't get footage you know, we couldn't we couldn't clear any actual sports highlights. So right, right. In the early days, and it led to Sports Monster, which was sort of a parody of Sports Center. But Robin remembers we'd go out on remotes to, and I would cover underwater hockey at some public pool in Connecticut, and that would be, you know, those were the sports we covered. That's great. Well, it's very, you know, you were kind of like the Daily Show before the Daily Show. Like, remember the early days yes, of the Daily I, Show? Yes, and, and I, I, but a little bit better. We also have a farm. Yeah, we're very wealthy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you do Listen, have separate Zoom rooms, so that's amazing. We do. We, we have, uh, we're both doing this from our individual PJs right now. <laughs> uh, Robin and I tend to, like, see each other twice a year. The rest of the time, we're flying <laughs> on our jets elsewhere. It's, it's an exciting life. Fly. It's everything I hoped for when I... Started work at 23rd Street. It's the dream has really come true. You're the heart to heart of. of <laughs> you know what? I'll say one thing about Mrs. B. She's gorgeous. And, and I'm Max. I take care of both of them. 
That's right. Yeah, we started watching some of those reruns. The, oh, we went on a little binge of those. Those are really? trippy. Oh, they're they're what made you do that? Yeah. What What made you do that? COVID. COVID. Yeah, really. <laughs> I, I was watching an old um, uh, Rockford Files yesterday with Lauren Bacall, and she made out no. with Jim Rockford. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's a highlight for both of them, I guess. If you said she made out with Stuart Margolin, I would have freaked out. Oh, that would have been much better. That would have retroactively ruined Turner Classic Movies for me. Much better. I can't watch any of those again. I love it. That's so great. Wait, so so you did you guys get married soon after you met? Like give me a timeline. You you met a comedy. Yeah, I think what really pulled us together was the Sports Monster promo where it was um uh Bukai, Bolster, Heyman. Right. And then there was this big drop noise. And um, and that's when we first really locked yeah. eyes. And we didn't get married till we came to California, though. We came here in 92. So we're almost here 30 years, which blows my mind. Um, but we got married in 94. And uh, it's been 27 years. So you, you met you met cute have, over a promo. That's that's very few couples tell cute, that story. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And, and promos are short. They're like 30 and wait a seconds, second. So you last a little longer. Speaking of doing things together, you guys write together sometimes. Is that right? We do. We've done that. We've done a lot of that. I think our biggest claim to fame is that for about four years we used to do a segment on Sports Center when I was working at ESPN. Uh-huh. We used to do a football betting segment that was on Sports Center every. Tuesday, and it was me as the degenerate gambler and Robin as my long-suffering partner. And <laughs> it was really the only time up until recent history. Now everything's groovy with football betting, but it was not at that time. But we used to get to, we used to come in and we wrote it on the weekend and figured come into and our apartment shoot it Monday shoot mornings it. in our apartment, and then it would get microwaved in air later that day. But it was we got to show highlights. Of when some, you know, Czechoslovakian kicker fucked you out of a hundred bucks, you know, and it was <laughs> incredibly popular. And I was doing it on my own for a while. And then the guys at Bristol who knew Robin said, why don't you do one where you're hiding from your bookie and Robin has to fill in for you. And she read this open letter and it was like, that's when it took fire. And oh. It was incredible. And I will say during that era, when, when she and I would go to Vegas, we were childless. So we were there a lot. Um, (laughs) It was just the key, the city just opened before us. And no matter where we were, strange men would approach us with their bad beat stories from a Buccaneers game from 1973 and talk to us like we had money on it too. Um, (laughs) But you know, it was great. And it was also the dawn of when, um, every guy who liked Sports Center was mad at me for having a pretty wife. So, <laughs> they, they, I get a lot of emails about like, did you drug her? Is she a, is she a model? A, did you get proposals? And I was like, oh God. No, man. I got jail, jail mail. mail I got yeah. a lot of jail mail. No way. <laughs> yeah, way. Big oh, way. Oh, yeah, very my God. Yeah. What was it? Tell, tell us a memorable one. I mean, anything <laughs> oh, stick geez. out? Was there like a um, favorite? No, I, to be honest, they all talked about betting. 
and they all talked about sports, but uh, they wanted <laughs> to talk to me about it. And um, <laughs> made one of us. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm pretty sure at least one requested garments, but yeah, you maybe, know, we don't have maybe. to go down that so, road. <laughs> so yeah. that's crazy because like, it was so, it was funny because it's so absurd at the time. And now we live in a world where yeah. there's these 24 seven channels that are doing earnest programming about betting and 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 oh i know you're on serious aren't you on serious uh radio yeah i i do uh, yeah they have a whole devoted channel and vsin and they have a new one now but you know it's interesting we were there and our segment was wildly popular and we had a lot of support from mark shapiro who was running pretty much running the show there at that time but when their next nfl deal came up we were a part of the deal memo. They said, if you want more football games on ESPN, you have to get rid of that gambling segment with Robin and Nick. Because we were showing the footage and saying, wow. oh, you had, the, you had Carolina minus three. Well, here's where your dreams died, you know, in this moment. But the other thing, and you remember there was a show at the same time called Playmakers, um, okay. which was one year run on ESPN. And it was in a fictional professional football league where like, they had, you know, running back smoking crack in the locker room at halftime, you know. So it was like the deal was if you guys ever want to have NFL football again, you got to get rid of the Bacchus and you got to get rid of playmakers. And now, of course, you know, the, they have the point spread baked into every inch. It's of crazy. Fabric. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, so, so do you miss the fantasy sports days? Were you into that? Like just pure fantasy sports? Oh. He's big time. I still do that. Believe it or not, I just yeah. yesterday I had a draft with experts for <laughs> Pro Forecast Magazine, the longest running publication in fantasy football history. Um, I still do that stuff, but I have to say I haven't done anything really active with NFL Network or with ESPN in quite a while. It, yep. We really uh, peaked. we peaked when Robin and I were doing our thing, and they kept trying to help us find new incarnations, but without the Without the action, it just wasn't the same. But how tough. many how many fantasy teams do you have this year? Uh, this is not a good year to ask. It's probably about ten. Oh, mm-hmm. But I've I've had many more in the past. Yeah, yeah it's. Uh... So you're talking you're talking to two guys who know nothing about sports and probably less about fantasy football. Okay, that would be three. <laughs> three. Oh, that's you too. It's just like, it just, I never, I could never quite figure out. um, Well, when I was a kid, I was a big fan, but then I'll tell you what fantasy sports are for me. It's like, it's like betting sports. Um, It's a way, if you're a longtime sports fan and you happen to root for teams that are not always well run, which has certainly been my history as a Buffalo kid. (laughs) um, It lets you take your fate in your own hands and say, I can't control if my cur- my team of passion is currently going through a phase of great ineptitude, um, I can use my Jedi skills and turn this into some kind of expertise and profit. That's what it is for me. It's like, you guys can't build a football team, but I can. Right. And so when you watch the games on, so Robin, do you lose him on Sundays? Is it over? <laughs> I used to. Um, but you know what, since you can tape games and, and stuff like that, and then when the kids came along, which didn't happen until late for us, um, 
Uh, no, he's he's okay now. He's well, you can get good. on the phone right now. I mean, right, Nick, it's all so digital now. Like before, yeah. I remember I did fantasy baseball one one oh, year. Oh, baseball's so much and different. That was harder. so like I'm with spreadsheets. Like it ruined the whole game for oh, me. Like yeah, what am no, I on? 160 a, games. A Lotus uh, one two three spreadsheet trying to figure things out. But now go. things could your phone you can have an app for it right and just yeah. see how you're doing it, it is a lot it comes to sit down to watch the game if he's going to watch it live with a with like a, a stack of paper this big you know that he's got all his notes on and and yeah all he does homework before a game big time homework so that's so wild so that, now but, i understand why i have so much free time because i'm not doing these things <laughs> If yes. I had this in my life, I'd be busy again. Yes, yeah, that's I true. Really should, I should really pick something up like this. Start betting sports. What could go wrong? Fella? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm in Jersey and it's legal here. Yeah, and yeah. There's a sports book. There's two by me. There's the one at Meadowlands, which I understand now takes more um, uh, bets than Las Vegas when it comes to football, sports betting. Well, betting sports in New York, in the tri-state area, if you will, um, is such a fucking. I'm sorry. I no, really no, you're like kind. You're kind. You're profane here. Yeah, yeah. It's such. It's such a part of the culture there. I have no doubt the handle there rivals Vegas every week. But you have to do it with all those miserable people. It's like, you oh know, my when god, you go to, when you go to Vegas, there's this sense of people being on vacation. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and there's this sense of like, wee. You know, when you go to AC. It's just, you know, broads with 120 smoking. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. I'm going to split these kings. You know, it's just, it's well, the, miserable Philly people. It's awful. And, and what well, the Meadowlands is pretty intense too, because that's even like the swamplands of Jersey where oh, people, it's lovely, yeah. are, people are coming like, like, you know, they want you to bet in person because they, they make more money than people that own the license, but people do it on the app. So, you know, the normal yeah. people on the app. So really the dregs are coming out in person, right? And right. it's like Night it's of the Living Dead. one big OTB. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. And they're you guys, you guys have it wrong, man. I, I only bet when I'm in Monte Carlo. I mean, that's the only place I'll hey, gamble. And that's but where I Robin's get, jetting off you to You get right to wear now. a tuxedo. <laughs> You get a better right. class of uh, yeah. people. Yeah. My name is Bill. I like to wear a nice sweatsuit when I play. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, I play a little pie gal in my sweatsuit. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, um, the- we've deviated from the comedy concept. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I want to get yeah. to something here. I want so- to ask Nick, but just, just, uh, just put a pin in the following. Okay. I want to get back to Lampoon and that that cartoon because that was crazy. Yeah, Nick, you've been retroactively canceled. Just so you know, it's over. Um, <laughs> no, I want to. Matter of moments. <laughs> I I actually so I was researching this segment. There was so much great stuff. This interview, and I found that you see so your your website is no longer, but there's a yeah. thing called the Wayback Machine. So it lives on my computer, which is oh, wow. amazing. Wow. Yeah, I'm looking Did you at. Did know about that? Vinny, this, Vinny told me about that for the first time. It's like crazy. I, this awesome picture of Nick and. Robin, it's nickbakai.com, just living yeah. a dream. And Jeez. um, and I one of the things I was researching remind me was Tale of the Tape for Comedy Channel or Central, or was that a separate Tale of the Tape was it was something that I did for years on ESPN, but the first one was on Sports Monster. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. And That's it, you know, it was one of those things where when I had meetings with uh I was I got going at ESPN at the dawn of ESPN two. Um, which fans will remember that's Keith Oberman wearing leather. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and, and but, uh, Craig uh, Kilborn, right? Was Kilborn there? 
Kilborn, he was mainly he was ESPN oh. Sports Center. Then he went over to Comedy Center. Yeah, okay. which was so Whatever. weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but uh, yeah, no, it was uh, something that was on a reel that they had watched, and they said do more of those. And I said okay, and it, we ended up writing a book of them together, Robin and I. Yeah, I saw that. It was really it, before cool. the gambling what, thing was our big thing there. Yeah, called Nick Pat Tale of the Tape. Yeah, for still high, available for Hyperion. Everything's yes. still available. Yeah. Art, even your book is going to be available in 50 years. We had so much fun writing that. Yeah, that was We would go to Vegas. We would get drunk, sit around the pool, yeah. and uh, just bang them out. That's right. It was like writing yeah. a top 10 list. It was department joke delivery system. Right, right, right. That was fun, yeah. man. We, we did those for years. It was a blast. That is so, yeah, I saw this. One was uh, Baby Ruth versus Babe Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's really highbrow stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, Robin, um, uh, in the page here, and Art, we'll get to your thing in a second, but there's I, there is a lot to go over here. Um, Robin, so you, you were like writing jokes for for people for TV appearances, like the occasional celebrity appearing on a talk show and stuff like that. Is that? Um, I was writing mainly. Uh, I mean, I did a little bit for Bob Costas. Nick has has a different, you know, Nick and Bob go back and, and have a thing. In fact, they met on Comedy Channel, but um, I spent 20 years writing for David Lee Roth. Oh, okay, okay. wow. Yeah, yeah that was that. pretty cool at times. Was it, yeah. well, so we were you writing a lot of that uh, repartee that he was doing? Um, Anything he did on the stage, he did an open letter once uh, that was printed in the Times in a various papers around the world when after the mtv awards when he was looked like he was going to be back in the band and then he wasn't right. going to be back and gary sharon came in um and then yeah at pretty much anything he said in public well uh, you know what he was i mean now i know where it comes from i mean he was a good actor in delivering your lines yeah. but it was a great combination because i think that's what got him the job as howard stern's replacement when Howard went it off the air. Been. And I did Howard Stern with him for three weeks. Oh, you did? You did yeah, that? Yeah, I did for the first three weeks. I was wow, there. yeah, that was an unenviable position for anyone to be. The, the, oh. the line was, you want to be the guy that replaced the guy that replaced Howard Stern. Yeah, you don't want <laughs> yeah. to be that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't that quite get that. So, so uh, but, but 48 on the list. Oh, my God. So, but that was exciting working. It. I mean, I, I miss it radio. I, I started on radio. Were you, were you in the studio with him? Yeah. 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 Holy, was oh my God. God. So you were we like his Robin. Wood Yee and Tom, Tom, uh, yeah, we can't do his name without hearing the golf club noise, but yeah. <laughs> Tom Chisano, yeah. So wait, did but you, it was really fun. you guys came to New York for that when that happened? Or? Robin did. I, I was did. working on other stuff and I jumped in one time, but no, that was all Robin. Yeah, that's so that's so yeah. wild. I know it was a huge profile. I probably, you know, radio radio was such a weird world too because it's every day and you don't oh get overnights, God. so you don't even I know how. I had no idea doing. what it was like, and and um, there was a lot of reading of like, how we do, how we do, and, and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I learned a whole new language, basically, of you know things to look up and follow and chats and this and that and it, it was amazing but it you were built amazing. for that i mean just everything that I you have done yeah that was yeah, i worked really with howard stern uh in the later years and that was so much fun like just you oh, know yeah. um, i remember i'm still a huge fan of yeah Cal. yeah it's it's that's so cool 
Um, all right, Art. I'm sorry. I hijacked this interview. I'm gonna let Art get it worded. He never can get it worded edgewise. Always, very hijacks the uh, interview, and I'm used to it. I actually enjoy it now. Um, <laughs> what I wanted to ask you, Nick, because I was a I big man. I have to say, Art. I don't know if anyone else can see this, but you look like an extra in Mad Men right now. Where are you? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Don Draper should be the- getting. He should be getting head on that couch right behind you. Oh, Nick, you're so perceptive. That's exactly what it almost looks like a green screen backdrop. (laughs) Uh, You have to explain again. I am in in, uh, a rented house in Greenwich, Connecticut. We are moving next week, seriously, Ah. to Park City, Utah. Wow. Which is like, I've lived on the East Coast my whole life, you know? And so this is kind of a big move for me. Yeah. And uh, uh, my stress level is uh, extremely high, extremely high right now, but I'm handling it. I've, I've seen camera. Are you here? Sorry. Do you ski? Do you ski? Yeah, we actually, um, yeah. I like how you turn this interview around. Yes, I oh, yeah. ski. All right, how long have you been skiing? And when did you first meet your ski? No, no, we, no this is important. Do you have a good doctor in Park City? <laughs> <laughs> People should know this. We went to Park City to ski when we were younger because, you know, we thought it was fun. I actually went to Sundance in the very early days um, and uh, there were like 27 people there. But no, we went skiing there and we loved it. And then we went there one summer and said, wait a second, this place is even better in the summer. So we got a place in Park City. We always said, hey, you know, someday we're going to move to Park City. And someday is next Friday. Holy cow. So we are moving to Park City. But he lives in a Japanese themed. Yeah, this place uh, is like crazy. No, it's it's very. uh, Yeah, it's like a, you know, wood and glass Japanese house on a lake. Nice. That's nice. um, And it's been fun. It's been a nice place to ride out the pandemic, I have to say. Robin, can you you imagine how much my barbecue collection would mess up the lines of that? (laughs) You know, um, Park City is where uh, Harvey Weinstein and Rose McGowan, that whole thing, took place. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Harvey Weinstein's got quite a figure out there. Yeah. Have you guys been to Sundance? Did you go to the festival? No, we went never. Once. We did. No, we oh, did, Robin. We went. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we went oh, there yeah. with. Um, yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, that, we yeah. uh, we went there with a live show we had done for years in LA called the Girly Magazine Party. We did it at Sundance one year with uh, Jim Turner and Joel Hodgson and a million fabulous people. Yeah, um, Gruber and place. the Higgins Brothers. Yep, Higgins Boys Comedy Channel alum were all over that thing. Steve and I played a sort of poor man's Alan and Rossi. Let that sink in for a second. Poor man's. Alan That's scary. Which one were you? I was. I was Rossi. I was the. Uh, he was the monkey, and I was the handsome singer, like Dean and uh, Jerry. But uh, <laughs> oh my god, we had a blast. We had a blast, and Robin was in that, and we. That was really fun. That's a, you know what's so funny? You both have accomplished so much, and, and we're not even talking about all these other things that you've done. You know, the number one of the top comedy shows in Mom that you both have worked on in various stages. I got uh, fired. You got fired. You got fired from from where? Season one. <laughs> yeah, I I will say I was still uh, drinking and partying at the time, but I'm not sure that but that helped. But that. that's what that show. The character. That was yeah. the lifeblood. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but uh, I, I had a blast. And I could have kept writing jokes. I decided not to. But um, Chuck didn't like my face. Oh, didn't like your face. Oh, so wait, that way. Okay, wait. So we're going to circle. We're going to go in circles here. Um, the, 
Chuck Lorre is a big part of, of, of both of your lives, I would imagine, with the shows, uh, especially Nick, that you're working on. Does that come via Eddie Gordetsky, knowing, working with Eddie back in the day? How did you it cross does. It does. I mean, I was, uh, I'd worked in TV for a long, long time, and then I went and did movies, mainly the movies I wrote with Kevin James. Right. Monster. Was, like they were big hit movies, but it was tough, man. It was not good business. Um, Why? And I was, oh, it's, it's writing movies is not uh, for, it's, it's, it's for young people who live with their parents. You know, it's really, it's, I didn't find it very um, sustainable. It's really, and also they just, it's a different kind of business. In TV, you can be an adult with children and say, yeah, I get a check on Friday. Movies, you can say, you know, they're supposed to pay me sometime in the next six months, but they probably won't. You know, it's it's terrible. everything's contingent on something. And it, really? yeah. so you're talking about the things that are in development, like like like. No, what? no. It's even your no. steps on a deal for something that's getting made. Really? It's brutal. No, it's oh, terrible. Wow. And so you're no. constantly fighting for your paycheck. You're constantly you fighting. And the deals stretched over so much time. Oh, the, but um, that movie was so huge. I mean, that oh, no. was like. Like, like it did really crazy. well, but but at any rate, I was like, gotta get back to TV. Okay, or all right, we're, or we're in big trouble. And you're done. Just to remind people, you know, you were as 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 a writer actor, so you write for Living Color, and then you're on it as a character, right? You mm -hmm. you so, so um, you were an actor on Seinfeld, which was a uh, was like that's great. That's like being on a Beatles record, you know, <laughs> like that, like like because you've done so much. I mean, you've done so many episodes of Sabrina, yet like it's amazing how people could instantly recall that Seinfeld episode, which was just like you know three days out of your life, and now yeah. it's it's yeah. it's one of you know a hundred and seventy great moments in TV. You know, you know what it does? No, it lives in perpetuity throughout the universe. It does. <laughs> Right. That's it does. Right. That, that makes it sound big. And that was funny because um, I remember when Robin and I were starting to get together, she said, well, you know, you're an actor. I mean, what am I going to do when you have to kiss somebody? And I said, well, you're, I adore you, but no one's asked me to kiss anyone since <laughs> the high school play. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't really think that's my destiny. I'm not that guy, you know? And and then, you know, but I had that week where I said, well, the, the good news is I'm working, but I have to kiss Elaine. <laughs> and you know what? It, it, it was a one and done. It's never come up again. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah, that, that was such a great episode. I forget at the time. I mean, the show was great out of the gate, but it wasn't popular out of the gate. That was like one of the early first seasons. years. This one was, I will tell you that um, that tape night, that Friday tape night, it had caught hold by then because yeah, it was yeah. the first time I'd done I'd done those kind of guest shots on a bunch of half hours, but the, I'd never been around a show where the audience was that excited to be there. It was different. Well, you could hear so, it, yeah. When Kramer walks oh in, God. oh my god, no, they were they were just it was huge. So I can't I, I don't know what season it was, but it was one or two or three. Yeah, and the. The, the the country had fallen in love by that. Yeah, that that's wonderful. All right, so you were saying how we we're talking about Eddie Gordeski, who comes up a lot on this podcast. He of figures course. prominently in Art's book. Art and he had a kind of a rocky relationship. Um, kinda, kinda. <laughs> I loved Eddie. Eddie didn't love me. But... Well, Eddie was tough back then because he was the keeper, <laughs> keeper of the comedy. You know, he was. And, he really was. But, you know, I have to say, Eddie. You know, Eddie was one of the people. I reached out to when I was trying to get back into TV 
And it was, he facilitated my meeting with Chuck Lorre that changed everything in a, in a wonderful and positive way. So I have to say. What was the um, first uh, show you did with, with Chuck and Eddie? Was it Two and a Half Men? Two and a Half Men. Yeah. Well, I, that I was there for one year uh, in the Ashton Kutcher era. Oh. During okay. the time, there was during that time that they were cooking up Mom and I moved over there. Yeah. And Robin, you w- worked on that first season of Mom. Yes. Oh. Yeah. And but, and yeah. Mom just ended pre- kind of prematurely, yeah. right? Kind of weird. Well, you know, we did eight years. And so it, it's a long run. But it was it was a surprise. It was a surprise to everyone because good numbers. We were getting Critics' Choice. Oh, you were the Emmy one. You were the only Emmy CBS. The only Emmy one. I know. So um, it, it's a little. I wish I had a, a good answer for why. I don't. It, I don't know whether it was simply after eight years. There were different people at Warner's. There's different people at CBS. Right. I don't think anybody could make their bones with the show. Um, but. I know there's something about this decision that I'll never quite understand because we had a really rock solid number that lets them tentpole and launch shows between young Sheldon and mom. And right. So it doesn't make sense. There's something I don't know. And you survived a major and you and and the show thrived after a character left, a major character. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, we had a fantastic season after Anna Ferris left. So, and we did it during COVID. So there was a bit of a like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Wow. I just gave you 18 COVID produced episodes. There's, <laughs> there's anything. But, you know, there's a part of me that feels like, is it a harbinger of a future where, you know, broadcast networks are just going to be, you know, the masked ventriloquist dummy and Dateline? You know, are they, right. I, I don't I don't know. You know, I really don't. And, you know, SUVs, our cop procedurals crime reality shows and game shows or, C- or cbs is all they do are rethreads of ncis now there's all these yeah, different yeah. and they're bringing csi back as well you know? that's right it's so weird that they're rebooting something that still seems so new you know like I know. CSI las vegas yeah well you know what i mean we've we've lived through and we're old enough now to have seen the networks and cable and everything else go through so many changes true and every time someone predicts i mean i remember and this is, goes back a long way, probably the 80s, before um, Bill Cosby, a big headline on Time Magazine is a sitcom dead. Yeah. Is this yeah. the end? There, there was no, they just thought there would never be a sitcom made again. Mm-hmm. And then Bill Cosby came along and made one and, you know, the sitcom was back and then everybody made a lot of sitcoms and sitcoms have been a staple. Will they continue to be a staple? Probably, but, you know, maybe this is a harbinger. Maybe somebody's yeah, trying mean, to change, you know, change it up is, a little is streaming everything in the future? We'll see, you know. Um, but, you know, the model of a sitcom syndicating to local affiliates, I don't know where that stands. And that was always its home run hitter potential was nothing could make them bigger profits in success. Yeah, 100 episodes. I don't know if, that, don't know if that's true now. Yeah, 100 episodes was the holy grail, right? Yeah. And yeah. And now... Wow, you know, like Ricky Gervais does seven episodes. It's a great show for Netflix of, of sure Afterlife, is. and it's wonderful. That's, you know, that's that's a little bit of the British model too. They 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 mm-hmm. didn't have to make a zillion shows if they didn't want to. They made them until they got tired of doing it, or they ran out of uh, creative ideas. And that it was always kind of interesting. I I don't know. I think I think as long as we're on this, I think um, Netflix is going to sort of change the world 
but not completely. I mean, you know, when HBO showed up, everybody said, oh, there go the networks. You know, I mean, everybody's always predicting the death of radio or the networks or cable or whatever the hell it is. But none of those things actually go away. They just kind of change a little bit and maybe Mm kind of back up a little bit, but they don't disagree. And And there's a groovier than thou aspect still to streaming that, man, you know, I, I, I don't know what serves the the middle of America's flyover state, you know, situation that that isn't like, you know, sort of good old broadcast TV. There's a reason those shows get big numbers. Yeah, no, you're right. And and I I, I was I was reading it, I believe it was a New Yorker, the New Yorker critic was saying something like, you know, we used to complain about five hundred channels mm-hmm. and now we have streaming. Isn't that kind of the same so thing? Now we complain about 5,000 5, shows. 5,000 shows, and well, you, you can't know, find anything. Isn't it funny as we're talking about Comedy Channel, you know, that the, a merger was forced between Viacom and HBO. Right. Back back when that was like, that'll never happen. Right. And it was because, you know, there were 30 cable channels and local cable guys didn't want to come. You know, it's like now, you know, you look at that now, you want to talk about history. Yeah, right. That's were, a good point. Well, that was the, 32 channels. There were, there were, <laughs> one of the one of the things when I was pitching Comedy Channel, one of the things they said, you could never do that. And the reason is you'll never get shelf space. Who wants more than the 20 channels that are out there or whatever right. it is, 25 right. channels? What? And that was a big question. Is it too late? HBO is asking this. Is it too late to to launch another cable channel? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So... They, they asked me. I said, uh, no. But, you know, I mean, and the rest was history. It, was a, yeah. like, it now seems like a stupid question. But they really thought there were never going to be more than like 20, 25 cable channels. Yeah. Anyway. I, I, so I, I, so I think Chuck, what, what he's doing, what you guys are doing, you, Chuck, Eddie, um, is creating these shows which are monsters. I mean, these, you know, these shows, they break out. Like the Big Bang Theory, I remember when, because I was at CBS at the time, we saw the pilot. We all liked it, but it wasn't there. And they, they, they gave him the rare do-over, you know, yeah, that's to right. do that. And that became this billion-dollar franchise. But these other shows that Chuck has done, like Young, like you said, Young Sheldon, and even Mom. Mom is a monster in my house. Like my wife, we, we don't watch a lot of broadcast TV, but that's the one show we do watch. It's on that's the really TiVo. Nice. There's like a hundred of them yeah. on. Yeah. And so, so there's always that hope that, you know, someone is going to come up with the show regardless of where it airs, that's yep. going to, that's going to break through. And yeah, networks do have to take chances though. They can't get lazy. Like you said, if they keep on redoing these formats, these procedurals, it becomes um, a problem. Robin, did you work with Nick on pro wrestling secrets revealed? <laughs> you had to have worked with him. Please say yes. I can't remember. You know is what? A real t- that is that a real time? Yes. T- it was just a voiceover gig. For yeah, me. but not- but but oh, you didn't write it, so you didn't you didn't write. No, I like no. that that, that there were big secrets in wrestling we didn't know about. That well, you know, it's so funny. It was at that time when like I don't know, maybe it was Fox back then. Yeah, sure. They had done like magicians reveal the secrets, <laughs> and it got a huge number. So everyone was like, "Well, who else can reveal their secrets?" Oh, pro wrestling, you know, and, it's fake. Uh, yeah, but you know the great thing is the two things that aren't fake in wrestling are the uh, well the big one is the blood is real you know yeah um, and that <laughs> like was that. like ugh, you know and but Trump I'll was tell real. You. yeah no that 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 was one of those 
funny. How I, I, I love these wrestlers pixelated with their voices disguised, you know, <laughs> like it's going to ruin their career. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I even think the wrestling people, the Federation got together. They wrote an open letter. This is oh, they, Yeah, no, this was way before kayfabe was, you know, ever breached by the pros. So. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's great. So, so t- describe the process on on what is a writer's room in the Chuck Lorre world, Eddie Gordesky world like? Are you guys, you get assigned an episode and then you go off and write it, then you get together and punch it up? Or how does that work? Everything in that world is, and Robin, you'll attest to this, everything is done uh, at the table as a group. Really? Um, yeah. Every other show I worked on, you know, Robin's had this experience. I had it where you go off, they give you a draft. You know, you may be breaking the story in the room, but you'd go off for a week or two and write your version and then watch it just get pillaged, you know, um, <laughs> unless you were high ranking enough that they were afraid of you, you know. Right. Um, in, in this world, there's a saying like we don't do the heartbreak draft. Um, you know, and so everything stories broken as a group, maybe not the entire group, but half of the group or a smaller bunch and is written and rewritten and everything is done at the table. There's no go off and write your version, uh, which I, I, I've become a big convert. I think it's the way to really? go. So the writer's like assistant in a room like that is real important, yeah. you know, which yeah. probably goes on to then become writers themselves. Right. Exactly. It's Apprenticeship. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like being a court stenographer. And, um, you know, it it is a, that is one of those jobs, man. You've got to be able to focus and you've got to be able to follow the thread and know what to include and what to ignore. It is an art form unto itself. And, you know, I've seen some people who are amazing at it. What's Eddie like in the room? Go ahead, Robin. Sorry. I was going to say, you know, Nick ran the room. So I was going to say, basically, they only had to listen to you. Yeah. Every <laughs> once in a while, I go, don't write that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, did I say it now? Said that. Really? Um, do me so you ran the, the mom room? Is that what one of the... Uh, I did. I did yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Up until very recently. <laughs> that show um, is so... I You know, I don't watch it regularly, but I, I feel like I do because my wife's got it on and I'm in another room and I hear this incredible dialogue and I'm like, like, like laughing, laughing, laughing. And then like we're in the middle of this really amazing emotional moment, yeah. right? And you guys always figured out how to get back out of it, you know, how to you just... Know, in part, there are two reasons. One is the show really is about something interesting. Um, and I think that, you know, you, you referenced like, you know, how Cosby kind of brought half hours back from the brink of a few generations back. But, you know, what, what it brought the world back from was the bad fallout of the Norman Lear era which was a wonderful era, but then everything felt like it had to be a very special, that became the joke, a very special growing pains. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I don't need that to be special, you know? And it burnt out half hours that had a big issue. And now we kind of got back to it and we didn't burn it out yet. So it's back again. Another thing that mom did was that, um, and I think this happens on all Chuck Lorre shows is that it's got heart. Yeah. All of the shows have heart. It's got hilarity, but it all comes down to heart. Yeah. And also we were lucky that we had the actors, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. when you got Alice and Janney, you can write anything. And if it's not working, you know, it's you, it's not her, <laughs> you know, um, you know, so you, if you have the horses who can do super funny stuff and then, you know, on a dime, turn a scene emotional, 
you're sort of liberated to write what you want, which is really cool. And by the way, throughout the years of mom, Nick and I did go so we did get sober. We did. Oh, that's we so did. good to hear. <laughs> Kick Art, are you listening? Art, are you listening? I am listening. It's because you know you could you, you need yeah. to straighten out. No, no, I, so. I I'm certainly listening. So right. what's next? Right, I mean, make Park City is a new day. Would you please? <laughs> this is actually an intervention. Should <laughs> we start? <laughs> Let's start. Let's start. I, right. I want to thank I'm everyone read you here. A letter for... I wrote you last night. <laughs> Yeah, I love you guys. I love you guys. And I know you love me. Um, listen, uh, what's what's after mom? What's what's coming up? Um, I'm actually going to move over to young Sheldon. Uh -huh. That's my new move. I'm going to go uh, join the writing staff of young Sheldon. That's oh, a great. that's a one camera show, right? Correct. Camera? Yeah, that's that's a that's a whole different monster, huh? It is. I'm actually, you know, part of what I'm excited about is I have a few things I can learn over there. I'm not saying I know everything about multicam, but you know, uh, part of what excited me was, oh, that th this is a whole different kind of storytelling, whole different kind of production, and I'm really intrigued to see how it works. Yeah, they're like like little movies. I remember the first season of The Odd Couple was season, was single camera, very much like The Odd Couple movie. Remember The Odd Couple with Tony? Holy Rangel? cow! Yeah, wow. the first season was single camera, and I prefer the first season. And then Gary Marshall went mm -hmm. to the three camera setup with with the with the audience, and it became more sitcomy. Mm -hmm. But it is hard. One of my favorite shows is a show called The Middle. I think it's a brilliantly written oh, sure. show yeah. and it ran for like eight years. And I'm just amazed because it's so funny. And like you're you're holding for the laugh, right? Like you're writing something, there's no laugh track. You, you know, you trust the material, you're yeah. gonna laugh. But the rhythm of it, that's that's gonna be interesting, I think. Now, really Vinny is. mentions the odd cup on every podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, and, and it's okay. I have to shoehorn it in. Because that's you know, that's the most important sitcom for him. For me, it was get smart. You guys, okay. I mean, was there, was there, um, and, and get smart because of Mel Brooks and Buck Henry and the writing and the fact that it was embedded in the culture for the mm. three years after it ran, um, with all the things they have, but uh, were there sitcoms, are there sitcoms you think about that were either influential or made you want to write sitcoms or just things you watched a lot that you thought were cool? Well, I, I, I go back to Honeymooners. I loved it, you know, and I know that one's a love-hate, but I also, um, I really loved Mary Tyler Moore show. That's uh, what I was going to say. Was that yours, Robin? I wasn't sure what your answer would be. What do you go first? But that was my favorite. Yeah, I mean. This is crazy. This is like the newlywed game. <laughs> right. Husbands, what would you say? <laughs> no, no, you're right. So talk about Mary Tyler Moore. What, what was it about that you liked? Well, I just thought they had the greatest cast and they wrote to them so well. And um, I don't know, there was just something about the way it merged workplace and private life. I just, as a kid, it hit me at that right time. And I just, I remember watching and enjoying it, but also I was aware of how incredibly well executed it was. You Robin? Know? I was not aware of anything except that I loved it. But it's funny because I'm thinking about it now. And like the Chuck Lorre shows, it was hilarious. And it also had heart. You know, you can cry at America. The Chuckles the Clown. <laughs> Chuckles the Clown. That episode. Yeah, classic. Great, yeah, classic episode. It did so many brilliant things that I'd never seen on a show before. Like I remember the one where they're really excited because Johnny Carson's coming to visit. And they wait the whole episode and he ends up over at Mary's apartment for a party. And it's 
uh, and there's a blackout. So you never see Johnny. Oh, that's. But in the dark, you heard Johnny Carson's voice saying, uh, Sue Ann, are you touching my leg? You know, it was just like, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, things like that I'll never forget. I just remember thinking that is such genius at work. Well, how about the the, the level of small roles on that show or role show, you know, that they just yeah. kept on adding to it? Like, I don't oh think Betty God. White was was uh, was there in the beginning and Georgette and nope. uh, N- Nancy Walker. Right. <laughs> right. That's right. And then, you know, Rhoda gets her own. I think they, they were one of the early shows that were doing spinoffs. Cora Fleetman? Yes. Cora yeah, Fleetman. Oh, my God. Yeah. How could yeah. I not have mentioned her? You're absolutely right. Yeah, no, that was amazing. It was sort of a comedy channel thing because so many people launched from comedy channel, and that happened in Marriage Tyler too. People just branched out and yeah. got their own huge careers. Yeah, that's that's literally the first time I've ever heard the comedy channel compared to the Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> but, but you know, but, but you know funny. what? I it's, like it. It's true, I like though. it. I'm going to use that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's amazing. Like we were talking to Gail Berman, right? You guys know Gail. Sure. And she was this, you know, f- fresh off of Broadway. You know, she had produced actually some really cool things, but but it, she wanted to try this new thing called <laughs> comedy. And look at what she's accomplished since yep. then. She yeah. could crush us with just one no, you, look. She's so powerful. The people walking around those hallways at the very beginning down at 23rd Street have made their mark en masse. And it's really amazing because we were, like we said at the very top, we were just wide-eyed and delighted. Everybody who walked in there was like, crap, I can't believe they're letting me do this. Okay, let's go, you know? And, you know, everybody really, really did play through the premise. It was um, you know, honestly, I mean, I, I was on a Zoom thing today for an Emmy thing about all the Chuck Lorre shows, and there's Al Higgins, you know? Right. And, you know, he's he, he created and is the showrunner on Bob Hart's Abishola. You know, it's like everybody, we still cross paths, you know? That's and, that's, and that's one of the reasons that Vinny and I wanted to do this podcast. Yeah. Because we realized that everybody in those days did great and had, had great careers, like you guys. You know, and we're we're really glad to have you on the show, on the podcast, uh, and it's been great to see you and to talk. Likewise, Likewise. I mean, we we really do talk about those days as the as halcyon days, um, and uh, so we were excited to do this because honestly, I mean, you know, Comic Channel's in our blood, right, Robin? Absolutely, it would be great to go back and do a show now. You know, one of the old shows. Oh, pick it up like it never. Great idea! Oh my god! You know, we could probably talk about green screen. Circle back to that. I'm sure (laughs) there's some freestanding shots of the set of all the different sets that we could just put up there. We should do a Zoom. We should do a Zoom reunion of of the. I'm not kidding. It would it would be great. Do you still talk to Alan Havey, for instance? Absolutely. Yeah, give him our best. We, we yeah, want to say hi to him. Oh, you should have him on here. You know, yeah, we'd, we'd love, love to. to. If, you, if you could drop him a note, if you wouldn't mind, we'd love Absolutely. to. We, we would love to. Uh, Rachel Sweet, too. Rachel Sweet. Rachel Sweet, love her, too. I remember I remember buying her record before she was VJing. Remember sure. who this used to like? That was a big single back Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she's been writing comedy ever since, you know? Um I, the last time I saw her, we were punching up a pilot. I didn't remember really? what it was. Oh, yeah. So you really, wow, that's incredible. So you crossed paths with all these guys, Higgins, and I think, yeah, a Gru- Gruber was on some of the sitcoms I think that you were on. I, I, I think on... Um, oh, definitely. Sabrina. Um, he was on oh. Sabrina. I, 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 he was on a King of Queens. 
you know, I, I definitely, I don't think he, he moved out of LA. I don't think I ever got him on mom, but it's never too late. I'll get him on <laughs> Sheldon. <laughs> listening, Gruber. That's right. Steve, well, Steve of course, is the king of late night, right? Steve is the king of New York, as yeah. it should be. What's that? But, uh, you know, there were so many people there, so much talent. And, uh, you know, the, you know what we should do if we ever do a little go back? We should, I think the Higgins Boys and Gruber Telethon was the crowning moment oh, for what? 23rd Street. And it's a variety format. So we can just pop everyone in as they can, oh, wow. when they're we available. Should do that. We should Family definitely do channel, that. Like Mark Fight and, and Toby Huss and yeah. all those guys. Yeah. Oh God, that would be, I, I'm about to, I, I, I have like, I think 300, three quarter, Rob, you'll appreciate, you'll appreciate this, three quarter inch tapes. Right? Do you really? Yeah. No. I just got my hands on a three quarter inch machine. So I'm going, to, I digitized a lot of VHSs and I have some good stuff in there. And Nick, you're definitely in there. And Robin, your work is all over it because that was the thing we were proud of, right? That was, was, was conveying the sales guys needed sizzle. Yeah. You yeah. provided the sizzle, uh, Robin. But uh, I had these three quarter inch tapes, which are higher quality. And I think there's a lot more on there. So as oh, I yeah. cover stuff, I'll, I'll share with you guys both. And Vase. I'll give you the link to my website because I did put a lot of images up there. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, Vinny's website is like a museum. You should. Oh, we'll get if that. You go to vinnyfavali.com. Uh, and all those people you mentioned, man, it'd be great to have those some of those guys on, if not all of those people on this podcast. Well, because we, that's what we wanted we'll, to do. Uh, we'll reach out for you because we're in touch with. A, That'd be uh, great. I have a lot of those people's numbers, and we'll, you know, I'm sure they'd love to talk about it. Yeah, and then we That'd could do a, a, a panel too, because uh, you know it's so funny. It's like comedy is not recognizing this anniversary, and I guess you know they do these other things, and no one wants to admit how old they are. But <laughs> they they've got Paramount Plus. They could be doing. Yeah. Oh, they own Pluto. Freaking like Mystery Science Theater has its own channel on Pluto, deservedly. Yeah. Riff Tracks has its own channel. You know they could do a pop up comedy channel comedy central channel oh boy of, of you know from the old days boy that'd be great yeah that'd be great i've got some three quarters and i've got this and that and i've tried to digitize it is crazy hit and miss i will say you'll be so excited and you pop one in and it looks like um you know somebody Ooh. used it for a for the home plate yeah, that, yeah. Rough. it yeah. looks like porn almost sometimes you know <laughs> <laughs> the way porn would come in when your parents didn't. Survive. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. On oh, that little digital box, uh, guys. This was on, on so that much. note. <laughs> we always end on porn, right? We always end on porn. We try to anyway. And <laughs> just, thank you, thank you. We did today. So good to see you. Beautiful yeah, as good ever. To see you guys. Yes. Truly. Yeah, this was delightful, guys. All well, right. thank we'll you so in, much. We'll be in touch. We'll stay in touch. All right, okay, guys. great. Take hey, care. All right. Have a great time in uh, in uh, your new place. Yeah, you're, you're ready for yeah, it, come buddy. Visit. It'll, be, it'll be great. Yeah. It if you're not going somewhere you haven't been for, you know, I mean, it's not like, well, we've decided to move to Austin, Texas. <laughs> you know, one there, you know, <laughs> which Robin and I talk about all the time. So. <laughs> that sounds well, a come, come visit when you're in Park City. I'd like to see Love it. to. All right. all right. Take care, guys. Take Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right, see you. Bye, Robin. That was really fun seeing them together, although they were in separate rooms. You know, you just kind of wonder about that. <laughs> well, it's like the old Dick Van Dyke show, remember? They had to, you know, for, for podcasting, which is a very conservative world, they have to sleep in separate beds. No, that was, it was, it looks like a beautiful house. And I think, uh, you know, when you have the career that they've had, the successes, and the fact that they're both writers, you know, I guess they each need their own office to, I guess uh, so. 
to, to create so. and do the things that they do. But that was so great to see Robin uh, and Nick. But, you know, Robin and I had spent, uh, had a lot of great conversations about comedy back, back in the day. In the day and I haven't spoken to, to either of them in over 30 years. Yeah, actually, I, I didn't mention this, but I ran into Nick several years ago because I was going to do a radio show with Nick and my friend Mike Whitehorn and Dave Colin, and we did a pilot for a radio show, and it was going to be about guys over 50, and it was called Manoscopy. Do you remember? Oh, that's that? right. That right. Was that yeah. before the testicles animation thing that you put yeah, together yeah. with them? Well, I, you know what? No, it was after, I think. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that on this. Yeah, um, Mike, and, Mike and Nick did that animation. Uh, Baxter and McGuire about two testicles. We didn't even get into that. Right. And that was, and yeah. that's where you it was sort of the it. odd couple with, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the hard couple. No, you, 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 you being friends with Michael, who will be a guest on an upcoming podcast, and knowing Nick, you put them together, right? Um, right, right. And yeah. then hooked them up with Comedy Central, but you were at Court TV. But yeah, so when you were going to do, you you would, did a radio pilot with them? Yeah, we did the pilot and it worked out pretty well. Um, we thought it was funny as hell, but you know what? It didn't get sold. So what the heck? We had a fun time doing it and maybe someday we'll pick it up. We can actually do it as a podcast. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't said there was no doing podcast it, in those days. You were doing it for, you know, in those days, like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, whatever it is. Hey, one thing, I got a bone to pick with you. Okay. How many times did I ask Nick to talk about his his first gig writing for National Lampoon? Right. Writing the evil clown. I think I asked the question four times, and every time I asked it, something else came up immediately, right. and he never answered it. Yeah, we need to we need to actually do a postmortem with him on that because that was a from what I understand that was a really edgy edgy comic. Yeah, it was incredibly edgy. I mean, yeah, there were apparently National Lampoon. Um, censored some of it, and you know, listen, National Lampoon—they had a cover with a gun and a dog's head. It went all the way most <laughs> of the time. So if they were censoring it, you know, Nick must have been in some really dark place. But I guess we'll have to either get back to him on that or uh, I'll put it in the notes. But no, we listen. I, I want to. There, there are some guests. Actually, it seems like we have a high average of that. Where, where sometimes we call an audible and do a two-part episode with them because they have so much and we certainly could have gone a whole yeah, other yeah. hour with yeah. Nick and what we'll do is when they have something when there's something in it for them too when they have something to promote uh because you know Nick and Robin they're they're all over now prime time on CBS with mom yep. just finishing up yep. and working yep. with Chuck Laurie but um yeah we, we could do a follow-up but that was that was we encourage you to look that up on National Lampoon because that was a great great comic um character yep all right. Well, it was a fun podcast once again. Vinny, thank yes. you very much for the opportunity to do this with you and and uh, see you next time, I guess. I ch <laughs> Art seems very confused about ending this podcast. <laughs> he seems very apologetic. <laughs> thank you, sir. May I have another podcast? <laughs> I just want to be polite about it. You know? Art, you're unbelievably polite. It's, yes, it's, you're to you're such... I hope you rub off on me. Your politeness, nothing else. <laughs> um, I, that was Art Bell, and this is Vinny Favali from the Constant Comedy Podcast. See you next week. See you next week. How was that? <laughs>